0: is up front of the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Bunganye Now, Lagos is the second largest city in Africa. Its population is estimated to be close to 15 million residents. It could be more or less. That number is kind of in dispute. Now, it comes only behind Kinshasa in the DRC. Now, Lagos is one of the most vibrant cities in the world. It's an iconic city and also an important economic hub with with the fourth highest GDP in Africa. But it's also one of the toughest cities to live in for a number of reasons, including its weather. You see, Lagos experiences annual floods that last almost seven months. Media reports say that the last month, July 2021, the business district of Lagos Island had witnessed one of its worst floods in recent history. Adeola Adunowo A resident of Leki, which is a naturally formed peninsula located in the southeastern part of Lagos City, he says that this has been a particularly tough year. Now, COVID 19 and bad weather can make life difficult, even for a tough city used to all kinds of infrastructural challenges. He also tells me of a kind of weather phenomenon of sorts in Lagos, where each year Lagos experiences a week of constant rain that does not stop. Now, that can cause all kinds of stress to a young entrepreneur trying to run a business in one of the fastest-growing cities in the world. Adeola Adunawa joins me on the phone. He's an entrepreneur. He's also CEO of Carve Communications. He's also producer of Hapa Awards. Lagos
1: is, um,
2: what's it called now, uh, aquatic you know it's an aquatic splendor of nigeria is is uh, lagos lagos i think is 75 percent um water because it's, it's, it's like surrounded by water island and everything so the, the actual is, land mass is is smaller than the, the size smaller of than the, the water yeah, body. It's smaller than the water body yeah Whether it's on the island or the mainland, it's still water. Which makes
0: sense that you built a school on the water. I think there's a... Yeah, exactly.
2: Makuko. Yeah, Makuko, yes. And, and Lagos has this extensive coastal line all the way from Badagri all the way to Epe. The, the whole uh, is coastal, which which means there's uh, um, a mixture of there's a lagoon, there's a lagoon on the inland, then on the exterior there's the ocean, that's the Atlantic, the Atlantic Ocean. So mm-hmm. the, the 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 tendency of the state getting flooded whenever the rains are out. is is very very high.
0: Mm.
2: That ha- that ha- happens quite often. Every year, every year, every year, irrespective of what, whatever the government does, like cl- clear the drainages and you know.
0: Um, How long is your, your rainy season? season?
2: Uh, yeah, I think top of the rainy season is always is like um, two three months. It's always between two three months, even though. Yeah, we even those,
0: within, within which month? Uh,
2: that should be May June. No, June July August. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, so like. Right I now, t- as as we speak, as we, rain, we are talking
2: it's, about rain. now, it's raining outside. Yeah, it's raining. In fact, it shad earlier. It shod earlier mm-hmm. in the day, but two days ago the rains were very very high. I don't know if you saw some. I think that was last week. It was flooded like. Those kind of uh you know how you have like the tsunami in the US, that kind of thing it was cars were submerged in in, in the flood. Mm, but we the, still then the uh Yeah, yeah, but the, we still but we still haven't metal. had yeah but we we still haven't had that seven days constant rain that I'm telling you. It always right. happens it always happens most times in July, but I mean July is that, almost and, is and almost now, that, so... That
0: happens each year, that seven-day rain. Every, every, every year. And now, it's is like, this rain constantly, you know, pouring down? Is it a drip? So, a drip so, so the first
2: two days might be heavy. Then, it trickles into, like, continuous. You know how the rain just keeps drizzling? It doesn't yeah. stop. It never stops. Yeah. It might not rain heavy. No more but I find that more stressful than the actual down. Yes, yes. That's even the one that actually leads to the flood because yeah. it doesn't give it doesn't give um that time space where where yeah. even the flood can go down right before it recedes back up. So it mm-hmm. keeps dropping. You know how they say little drops of water makes a mighty ocean? Mm so it just keeps the water the water level just keeps building up building up building up so what and
0: happens during this time this this is obviously a very stressful time in in, in lagos and and well, i've heard... Yeah. so it's
2: traffic mm. so what comes with times like this is traffic people during that seven days rain some people even relocate you know like people who stay in like flood prone areas they relocate from because they know that so, are,
0: are, are we talking mass is- migration each year around this time? And People moving. Not,
2: in not mass. Not mass because it's not everywhere. I mean, some some places that have experienced the flood in the past, they now like elevate the roads and elevate the houses high. Mm. So even when it's flooded, yeah, they might be trapped in the house, but the house doesn't get flooded. Mm. You get you get what I mean. Mm. Then there's then some high rises. Just the uh, flats, the apartments at the bottom get flooded. But the guys up, they just you know, they're they're safe, but they can't come down because every everywhere is messed up, you know. Their cars. That is, their, that is paralyzing. Their cars are submerged in 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 the water. But you know, we. So, we're so remote...
0: I'm guessing the the daily news right now on TV in Lagos is about yeah, yeah, the, like, yeah. the effects of yes,
2: race. yes, 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 and and the aftermath of people's experiences like oh my house was flooded, oh I lost all my property, uh, my car was damaged. My car was submerged in the water, you know? Mm-hmm. Those kind, Those are the kind of stories you just keep
0: hearing. Is, this, there... also, is this also a story of climate change? Is that this, this...
2: Yeah, I want to believe, I want to believe, I want to believe, yes, it's also a fallout of climate change because before before the eco-Atlantic city, you, do you know the eco-Atlantic city? No. Where they, where they reclaimed, you know the barbage. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So remember they, recla- they reclaimed the existence of people. Yes, during, during, yeah, that was during Clinton. I think Clinton Clinton was even here during the lunch. Yeah. During Jonathan. Jonathan was the president in Nigeria, then Clinton came, you know, so they reclaimed the land in Babich, mm. right? So ever since then, okay prior to the reclaiming of the land which led to the eco atlantic city like a whole new city eco uh, atlantic city is like twice or three times the size of VI as a whole you know so prior to that the beach always comes to the road it's whenever like during this time yes when the rains come mm-hmm. the beach the beach comes all the way over, yeah it overflows yeah. He overflows his bounds and comes into you know wow. wash wash into people's houses, residents right. and all and that. Some
0: roads are un, unpassable at that point.
2: Yes,
0: exactly. So highways, supplies. Yes, yes. So mm-hmm. so ever since then
2: that's whole the beach, the bar beach overflowing his bounds is now like a gone. It's it's, it's gone, it doesn't happen anymore. Okay, so that's that's a done issue. It's been, yeah, that's a done, that's a done issue ever since, ever since then. Nothing like that has happened again. But of course, you know, you know how water is, you can't really contain water. So if you force away water here, then it goes to it goes to recede somewhere else. So that's so that is what has led to the flooding of Leki, which is. The, the beach is, in, is, is more in V.I., even though it's, it stretches all the way. Mm. But because, but because they, they curtailed it in V.I. by building the Atlantic City, it has now moved to lekki like the, like the outskirts of V.I.
0: You're listening to Upfront on The Voice of America. My name is Jackson Vonganyi. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we are back. My name is Jackson Fungane. This is Upfront on the Voice of America. Thank you for joining us. On the phone with me is Adiola Odunowo. He's the Managing Director of Curve Communications in Lagos, Nigeria. We're talking about the weather conditions, the flooding that has been affecting his city of Lagos in Nigeria. Do you ever have to do anything around this time to prepare for, for this season? Oh
2: uh, or it's been okay. happening. Okay, of- let me see. Let me see if you got kids, if you got kids, get them raincoats, boots. Uh, okay, some some high end people change their cars, you know, from salon cars to SUVs because you need it, because everywhere is gonna be flooded, especially on the island. Then some people who actually stay like where it's, it's it's become like a yearly routine. They know that the floods are coming. When the rains come, everywhere is going to be flooded. So what they do is they just uh, move out of their apartments and move to the mainland, stay with maybe families and friends,
3: then
2: come back when the floods, when the rains gone down. That's that should be maybe towards the end of August. September, yeah, then they come back to their home.
0: So this this one week disrupts life as it is.
2: Oh yeah, it does, man. It does. <laughs> On the but 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 maybe with the I mean with remote working and everything now, post COVID or uh, COVID in motion, because I don't think COVID is still it's still not post it's not it's still not post so COVID in motion. Yeah, so maybe probably a lot of people will work from home. You know, uh-huh. so they won't—they won't need to go into the traffic, the flood, and everything. So that's that's that—that's about the little change that might that, that might be experienced this year because a lot of companies are working from home, you know, mm. the remote working thing. So when the floods actually come, it might just be like, okay, you know what? No need to come to work; just work from home. Mm. So so that would reduce the vehicular movement and all the obstruction that the flood will actually cause
0: well yeah, then, hope, we, then, then, then the government then on, it, uh, very then on the government
2: then, then on the government on the government side what the government does every year preparing for this rainy season and the seven days rain and all that is that they clear the drains they try to open up the canal you know mm-hmm. rechannel the water just to kind of just to kind of get ready for the for the rainy season
0: okay okay But
2: even with all the preparation when the rains come down they really calm down baby. in fact yeah. in fact the flood the flood that was experienced like I think three days ago or so that made the news it went viral and everything with cars submerged. that hasn't happened in God knows maybe well over a decade ago so like you said it, that could be an effect of global warming climate change Because we've never seen that before.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was normally
2: yeah, that was new. So that's that's that 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 can be likened to climate change.
0: You're listening to Upfront of the Voice of America, I'm Jackson Van Now tourism, a billion dollar industry on the continent, had one of its worst years in twenty twenty. Now this year has not been any different given that the continent is still battling a pandemic that is discouraging tourism by millions of foreign visitors from Europe, Asia, and America. The World Travel and Tourism Council, the WTTC, estimates that travel and tourism alone contributes over $150 billion to Africa's economy. The decline in travel to the continent has crippled the African tourism ecosystem which employs thousands of young people who work as a, a, a tour operators in hotel management, food suppliers, transportation companies, and many others. Now, part of that ecosystem are travel agencies, which traditionally play the role of you know, local guides to the visitors. Many local travel agencies are now trying to figure out innovative ways to make up for the loss in revenue. And one of the solutions includes promoting local tourism. And this story takes us to Rwanda, home to Zaniheza, a Rwandan startup social enterprise that is providing what they call cultural tours to residents of urban areas like the capital Kigali. Charles Schema is the founder of Zaniheza, and he calls his startup company the Tesla of the African tourism industry. He talks to me about his vision and some of his ambitious goals to revolutionize tourism in Rwanda.
1: Zaniheza is a travel tech company based in Kigali, Rwanda. Our aim is to offer authentic and cultural products in tourism. By that I mean is when you are looking to travel to Africa right now, it's mostly thinking about the safari. And I'm saying Africa is more than safari. We can also look at our culture. And when I talk about culture, it's not just the tradition. It's not the old way of uh, thinking. The culture is who we are as people, is what we have, is our heritage, our food, our music, uh, yesterday, today, and in the future.
0: Now, we're obviously in the midst of a global pandemic, and one of the sectors that has been affected around the world is tourism. How were you able to, to run a tourism company, especially in its infancy like yours, when you don't have any tourists?
1: There have been some tourists, there have been few. Uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I drafted our survival strategy. We exist to create youth employment. And that has really been a motivation. You have to keep going somehow. So our uh, strategy has been being present. We've been very active online, on social media. We've created content on YouTube, uh, on Twitter, every social media that is commonly used, Zaniheza can be found. And what that has done for us is the few clients we've found, they have actually discovered Zaniheza through, let's say, our YouTube. Um, and that, we've led the combination of the resilience and also seeking funding whenever we, whenever we can, as uh, it has helped Zaniheza survive uh, up until now.
0: Do you believe that there's going to be a new normal in tourism? How will the tourism industry look like uh,
1: post-COVID? No one can say with certainty. Uh, we already know how we travel. It's going to change. Now our lives will be... Uh, you can just get on a plane. You will need to have your vaccination. And if you have your vaccination, you need to have the vaccination passport. So... How we travel is going to change. Um, it used to be yes, when you traveled uh, to the continent in Africa, you need to have some vaccination done. Now in Rwanda, now for example, when you go to hotels, you also need to show the vaccination um, sort of a proof. Mm. So there will definitely be an impact. I mean, for us, I can already see on the ground there is more cost a vaccination. If someone has to go to the park, let's say, in a way, they have to pay about $50 USD.
0: There will be an added cost to the travel because of the, the testing and, and other precautionary measures that have to be taken uh, to avoid uh, contracting COVID.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: And However, what does that mean the- for you as a company then? You know Your clients are going to have to spend extra money or even less money towards uh, the, the tourism the experience itself.
1: Yes, that's going to uh, depend um, on the demand. Now, post-COVID, there will have to be a recovery period. The travel is not going to go back to normal as the way. To see that normal travel, people feeling comfortable, that's going to take a while. So during that recovery period, we may see another you know, one or two years where it's very challenging to find uh, the customers or where people will be thinking more about the costs. So there could be an increase in cost in terms of the travel product. Um, And that can also be offset by high demand, because remember, if people have not traveled for many years, who knows? Um, I am hopeful that more people will feel that time to go home, time to go see my family, time to go see my friends that I've not seen in those two years.
0: In case you're just joining us, this is Upfront with the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vunganyi. We're online with Charles Kishishima. He's the founder of Zaniheza, a tourism startup based in Chigali, Rwanda. He says that his company is revolutionizing Africa's tourism industry. So what is he providing that is different from others? Let's talk about some of the, the offerings that you have that you give to your, your clients. If, if I was a cultural tourist coming to Rwanda, what are some of the things that you would want to show me?
1: Yes, absolutely. Now, uh, when you go to a place, uh, the land itself can be cultural. What's missing is the history, the narration of what has transpired. You look at the land, the land may have been a former king palace, and it's not even that far. That's where Rwanda started um, in uh, in the Gasabo district. You will not find that product anywhere. I even had the privilege to go visit um, this uh, really, really old tree, this really old tree, where they used to have a ceremony before uh, they went to war. And I'm told that that this is where um, they used to go and worship our God in a place called the Chibejo, It's known as the place where Mary, the mother of Jesus, if you are a Christian, where she has made the uh, apparition, is it? All those stories, and every country in Africa, I'm sure, has something unique that we don't hear about, or if we hear about, it's just on the surface. So I am digging. <laughs> I am digging, and uh, uh, within five years, this is just going to be very fun and very normal to travel to Rwanda or any other place in Africa, and not just go for the wildlife or, or go for the safari. There is more to to see.
0: There's more to, to Africa than just the safari. As you lose out on foreign tourists, uh, obviously due to COVID and, and other factors, COVID being the, the primary factor, how do you fill that gap? How do you nurture the spirit of local tourism?
1: Yes, a very good question. Indeed, one of my staff like to say that Zaniheza is more than a company. It's a spirit. More so even today, which are uh, as we say in our local language, uh, to travel. is something that is seen as for the others. It's not for us. It's for the others. Why am I going to go here when a foreign tourist will come and do it? Uh, so we've been able in the past year and a half during the pandemic to really get close to the community. And I'm talking about anyone in Rwanda. You don't have to be um, rich uh, to travel. It's really listening to the community. And it all starts with the youth. So one, engaging the youth. And the youth will also talk to their families and say, this is our country. We should know more about our history. So then I'm talking about raising awareness. And that's one thing we do well with our YouTube channel. What I believe is uh, the mission here is, outside of the and based on what I saw growing up in Rwanda in my own personal life, is to reconnect people of the African descent with uh, our roots and also our friends to get to really know us, not just on the surface, but who we are as people. I think that's kind of lacking. So if we solve that, that's going to generate an interest from the ground up to st- People traveling more and more and more. In case you're just joining
0: us, this is Up Front of the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vungani. Now, it has been a tough year and a half across the continent with the global COVID 19 pandemic reversing some of the gains in fighting against poverty in many of Africa's rural communities. Some of the frontline work in this fight is being done by young volunteers who commit their time and resources to work in places far away from their homes. Co-Africa is one of the organizations that recruits and places young African volunteers in remote communities to work on high-impact projects around poverty alleviation. The founder, Liz Fanning, tells me that Co-Africa volunteers are helping the communities fight COVID-19 through education and hands-on
3: support core africa um i guess in the simplest terms it's like peace corps for young africans to serve like peace corps volunteers in their own countries um we started it because i was a peace corps volunteer in morocco back in the 1990s and i used to meet young Moroccans who were college educated and, you know, they would ask me about what I was doing to help people in their country and what what it was like in the rural areas in their country. And they would inevitably ask if they could be a Peace Corps volunteer so they could help their country. And I had to say, no, I'm sorry, it's only for Americans. Um, So... You know that question really dogged me for 20 years, um, and I eventually started Core Africa to give young Africans the chance to serve like I did and get the transformative experience and the personal and professional benefits that last a lifetime, which is okay. really extraordinary. I'll but it's also I'll being a volunteer. OF BEING A VOLUNTEER, OF SERVICE, OF GETTING OUT OF YOUR COMFORT ZONE, OF HELPING, um, YOU KNOW, AND BUILDING THE NETWORK AS WELL. YOU, you BUILT THAT YOU'RE PART OF THIS COMMUNITY OF OTHER VOLUNTEERS THAT, YOU KNOW, YOU HAVE SO MUCH IN COMMON AND GO THROUGH THIS REALLY EXTREME EXPERIENCE WITH THEM. YOU BUILD A VERY STRONG SUPPORT GROUP um, THAT BECOMES YOUR NETWORK.
0: RIGHT. AND YOUR FAMILY. HOW DO YOU, how do you RECRUIT YOUR VOLUNTEERS AND WHO, who IS ELIGIBLE TO, to VOLUNTEER? <laughs>
3: Uh, well, we just finished recruiting volunteers for the next group, um, but we are—we're—you know—we'll start again next spring. Um, it's uh, college-educated, although we've made exceptions if you have equivalent experience, four years of work experience. But mostly, you have to be 21. Um, most of our volunteers are in their 20s, and. We look mostly for judgment. We look for maturity, um, but we also look for a sense of adventure and people who are really eager to help and to find their place in the world. Um, People who are ready to, you know, it really is for people in their young 20s because. It's before you get on the professional and the personal, you know, the career track and family and all that. It's like taking a year after college to mm. to do something completely different, but also apply what you've been learning in a really unique situation. Talk about some
0: of the work that you're doing currently. I know twenty twenty uh has been was a very challenging year, twenty twenty one still is we're in the midst of a global pandemic. What well, what are some of the projects that your your volunteers are working on, especially during this time of uh of this global pandemic that has hit hard uh, many of the rural communities around the continent.
3: Absolutely. Uh, Well, all of our volunteers always have been doing projects that build resilient communities. You know, the way we differ from Peace Corps, they don't go in as teachers or or with a job to do. They go in, we train them in human-centered design. So it helps them facilitate conversations, make sure everybody's heard, bring people to consensus about what they want for their community. And then their role is to be a liaison to outside resources or to help them create that project. And usually the projects, so the projects are all over the map, but they're usually things like uh, a well or, you know, refinishing a school or a school library or a women's cooperative, Um, a lot of agricultural projects, animal husbandry.
0: And you talked about farming and agriculture, and I imagine this is a very challenging time in in many communities around the continent, especially because uh, due to the pandemic, I know many people who have moved from, these urban centers to move back to rural areas because they have uh, easier, easier access to, to food. And, uh, and therefore, I imagine that some of your work around farming or around agriculture has changed. Um, but well, let's talk about how th- this model, uh, the human-centered the design model. How, how does the Co-Africa model reflect some of the, the well-known practices in, in, in uh, community development?
3: Sure absolutely and i want to come back to covid because i really didn't um, answer that part of it um and that's a really big part of it last year um but for human centered design it's sort of a it's a structure to the facilitation process it's sort of tools to help the volunteers lead the process and and the process is about making sure that the community has ownership of whatever gets done that this really comes from them and it part of the human centered design um approach is that it's 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 about the, volu- the volunteers not imposing what they think needs to get done. And, and that for the volunteers to go through that experience, it brings them the kind of humility that it takes to, to help people. Um, you know, they're, it's, it's the opposite of going in as the savior and bringing a project that you think they need. It's the opposite of that. It's really about listening deeply and engaging people and making sure that um, whatever gets done, people have ownership. People are required, the community is required to pay 10% of the cost of the project themselves in cash. Um, and that is, we've made exceptions because there are, are some extremely poor communities. Mm-hmm. It makes a huge difference in what they say they want in the project that they decide to do. And also in the sustainability of the project because it gives the people not just skin in the game, which is really important, but also, you um, the dignity, you know they're not they're customers, they're not charity beneficiaries.
0: That was Liz Fanning, the founder of CoAfrica Arista in New York. And with that, we come to the end of our show today. Many thanks to you for tuning in, whether it was online or via our FM or shortwave radio. We very much appreciate you. And many thanks to our guests at Deola Odunowo in Lagos, Charles Shima of Zaniheza in Chigali, Rwanda and Liz Fanning of Co-Africa. Remember to connect with us on social media. We are at VOA Upfront on all platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, as the great Chinua Shebe would say, until lions can tell their story, tales of the hunt shall always glorify the hunter. My name is Jackson
3: Vunganyi. Good day, Africa.